hello and welcome to the graduates a radio show dedicated to graduate student research here at berkeley my name is stephanie gerson i'm a graduate student myself and i'll be your hostess for the show here on kalx berkeley so today i'm talking to evelyn ficara a phd student in the music department welcome evelyn hello hello uh, we're going to be talking about her work as a composer of collaborative works. So I know you have a diverse uh, repertoire um, because besides concert works, you also compose for film and dance, among other things. But to start out, can you just give us a brief introduction of your work? Yes. Um, I would say that the through line in my work is that I reach out from music to other disciplines. So I'm very interested in working with text, with dance, and with images and film. It's interesting to do collaborative work in an academic setting because the usual PhD thing is that we sit alone and do our own research and we are assessed um, on what we do. Um, so I am in a position of actually working with other performers and bringing people in from outside the university to collaborate with. And that, that's an interesting challenge for me. Um, and I think potentially an interesting challenge for the department when it comes to assessing my work. Mm -hmm. But basically, um, I see music as primarily a performance and for me, a performance has other elements apart from purely the sound. So it is always, for me, in some way, a theatrical event as well as a musical event. Mm -hmm. And things like gesture or use of the space are very important in my work. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one strand of the work is that I explore music in a theatrical context and I try to bring out the theatricality of music. Mm -hmm. Another strand would be that I have some training in film. I went to film school as a uh -huh. composer. Um, I have a lot of training also in sound recording and sound editing and sound design. I actually worked in post-production for many years in film and television. And so I have an interest in, and I think a certain sensitivity towards images and towards moving images. So I, um, I work with people who, um, well, the kinds of collaborations that I do will start usually from an ideas point of view. So we will have a subject that we want to explore. And then we find out how our ways of working are similar. Mm -hmm. For example, I've worked with filmmakers who collect material and then the meaning of the piece emerges through editing. And that's a similar way to, to the way I work when I'm working with recorded sounds. I'll go and record a whole bunch of stuff mm -hmm. and then I'll listen to it a lot and start to work with the sounds and edit the sounds. And then the meanings and the structures begin to emerge. And then you take that structure and you put it together with the structure of the images mm -hmm. and another layer of meaning emerges. Mm -hmm. So I suppose the that my overall project as a composer is to explore how musical structures can reach out and connect to structures in other art forms mm -hmm. and the different layers of meanings that emerge through that process. Mm -hmm. Wow. We're going to get back to a lot of those things, too, that you just mentioned. So just to start with this overall theme of cross-disciplinary, do you feel that the boundaries around disciplines are changing such that, you know, what what will cross-disciplinary mean in 10 years, or will we even, or will we just call it work 
instead of calling it collaborative work or cross-disciplinary work? That's an interesting question. Um, I think a lot of the uh, digital technology has had the effect of reducing the boundaries between uh, works. Because when you put stuff into the computer, you know, it's all numbers. And then it's Mm -hmm. very easy. There are so many platforms now where you can have your sounds or your music and and work with those and very easily import images into Mm -hmm. that and and edit those and go back and forth between Mm -hmm. different platforms in that way. So I think people are becoming more um, at ease with expressing themselves through different media. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you think of the way the internet has influenced all kinds of things, for example, radio stations now have to have websites and Mm -hmm. they will have visual things on their websites Mm -hmm. because websites are all about that and have always been better at the visual than than the um, audio. Mm -hmm. But that's changing now as well. Mm. Um, So yes, I, I think... Well, but certainly in the when I think about the work that my peers are doing here, there are still many composers who are very happy to simply mm-hmm. um, to sit and, and write their pieces mm-hmm. and take them to the performers and have them played, and, and for whom the crucial thing is the score mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the, the abstract structure which they are creating mm-hmm. um, and, and the process of putting that into sound. Um, is something that it's not secondary, it's essential, but it's like an equal half of the process mm-hmm. in a way. Hmm. There are composers who say um, that the, the structure doesn't have to be heard. It could be a layer which you're only aware of when you really study the score. And that's not how I look at it. For me, the performance or the sound when I'm working with electronic um, music, the performance or the sound is the thing. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. And the score is a part of my process of getting to the thing. Mm. So, yeah, let's move on to electronic. You So you work with, it's called electroacoustic media. So first, I'm curious, what is what is it about the difference between electronic and acoustic that makes working with them together interesting to you? Well, I would... To answer that question, probably need to go back to why I became a composer and how I became a composer. Mm. Um, I was always uh, a player. I always I played the flute and the piano um, from a very young age, and I always loved music and wanted to interact with it in some way. Um, and I always wanted to make music, but I didn't feel that I had very much to say in terms of writing melodies and harmonies and so on. I just was totally in love with the repertoire. Um, I was one of these weird student uh, children who loved Beethoven and that hmm. kind of thing. So um, when it came to actually writing my own music, I, I didn't feel I had much inspiration until I, uh, when I was an undergraduate, I got into the electronic music studio simply because it was an option um, that was offered that I thought might be fun. And it was really there when I began to record sounds like what we call concrete sounds, so bird song or mechanical sounds or environmental sounds, um, and work with them in the studio that I felt, oh, this is my medium. Mm-hmm. Now I, I have a, a sense of w- what I can say as a composer. And it was through working with these concrete sounds that I became more uh, confident about working with more abstract pitches and then through that feeling happy to write for instruments. And I suppose the really the link 
the strongest link for me was to work with the voice mm. because the voice is such has such a variety uh, of expression. It's something we use every day for ordinary communication, and yet it's something that can be used for very to make. Uh, extraordinary music as well and there's all the different stages between those two extremes that mm -hmm. are very interesting to explore mm -hmm. um, so does that answer your question yeah I mean you still think of them as extremes yes but I think also the, the what becomes interesting is making the continuity between the electronic and the acoustic mm -hmm. so for example I might want to write a piece for electronics and flute and my starting point would be to record sounds from the action from the flute mm -hmm. and then to work with those in the studio and transform them mm -hmm. so that they then sound different mm -hmm. um, I tend not to start from with pure electronic sounds uh, I tend to start with actual sound recordings and then to work with them electronically to change them. But then the, the end result of that can be actually a world that's very integrated. So it's connecting up the live sound of the flute with this kind of otherworldly, elect more electronic environment. Mm -hmm. But you can hear the links mm -hmm. still. So something that's interesting to me about electroacoustic is that, um, when I was reading about it, is that it's considered a genre. And I usually associate genre with um, some kind of aesthetic or some a way that it sounds, a, a type of music, whereas electroacoustic is just telling you there's electronic stuff and there's acoustic stuff and you put it together, which doesn't really tell me what it's going to sound like. It's like saying piano music, and piano music can sound, you know, That's many, right. many different ways. Um, I've been doing a lot of work with Myra Melford, who's a, a composer, improviser, and a member of the faculty, of the music faculty here at Berkeley. And she does the most extraordinary things. She coaxes the most extraordinary sounds from the piano by working inside the piano directly on the strings mm -hmm. and uh, using different preparations or uh, playing the strings with different implements like a scrub brush or a percussion instrument um, mm -hmm. or putting marbles uh, on the strings or magnets or so that when you hear it, you think, what is that sound? Mm -hmm. And you honestly might not recognize, certainly an untrained ear would really perhaps not even know it was a piano. So then what does electroacoustic as a genre tell you about the music? I think it. I think that term electroacoustic doesn't tell you very much. <laughs> I think that's. I think that's yeah. just true because they're all different kinds. Mm -hmm. For example, there's what I would call pure electronic music, where um, everything that they've made comes from some kind of electrical or digital source. So maybe in the old days it would be you sat with your synthesizer or your oscillators creating sound, sign tones and making very complex sounds out of very simple electronic building blocks. Um, these days we would do all of that in the computer, but you would make sounds which I suppose maybe the, the, the average person's frame of reference would be the kind of sci-fi um, sounds that you might hear in the movies. Right. Um, but you would craft those very carefully uh, into uh, a musical structure. Mm -hmm. Which would have shape and rhythm and motion, and but would but would not sound like anything that could happen live. Mm -hmm. And then at the other end of the spectrum, there are people um, associated, say, with the French school of music concrète, who started as as I tend to do from recorded sounds, and those might be natural sounds, um, environmental sounds, or animal sounds, or bird sounds, or uh, mechanical sounds, and you would work with those. And sometimes the the 
the actuality of that sound comes through and you you hear, oh, that's somebody brushing their teeth or that's uh, the blackbird singing in the morning. And sometimes the sounds have been changed so much that they sound very otherworldly or very strange. So there's that layer of, of interest um, in terms of what the sound, of the connotative um, elements in the mm-hmm. sound. Um, so then you would say, I would say you then have a third genre, which is much more in the kind of instrumental um, tradition where you would, as as I said before, you would start perhaps from uh, recording a live instrument or you would decide that your piece is going to have uh, live performance as well as electronics. And then you have to work with the world of combining those two sound worlds, some of which are just very disparate from each other. Mm-hmm. You have to work with that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's difficult without actually playing music to be more specific about um, what the music sounds like. Oh, do you want to play some music? I could do that, yeah. Okay. I could do that. So what I'd like to play is um, a piece that I've been working on for many years, and it's called Submarine Revisited. And it started out as a collaboration with a choreographer, Sarah Fahey. We started a little company called Naked Fish Productions. Hmm. And uh, we did we did it two or three times with dancers and a singer and a piano player. And um, some of what you'll hear will actually touch on the two genres, two of the, the elements of the genre that I just explained. So the idea of combining instruments with electronic sounds and also the idea of recording uh, uh, concrete sounds and making structures with them. Mm-hmm. So what you will hear actually is a, a further development of this piece because I was asked to make a version of it for the radio. And for for that version, I also made did a lot of interviews with people who'd worked on submarines or who were ex-submarine um, captains. And so it's a kind of a strange collage of the, the music that I wrote for the, the music and soundscape that I made for the dance piece mm. woven in with, these, with this interview material. Wow. So for those of you who are just joining us, you're listening to The Graduates on Calex. I'm talking to Evelyn Ficara of the Music Department. So can you give an example of someone that you've collaborated with? Yeah, certainly. So um, 
the person I'm collaborating most with in the visual arts in the Bay Area is Ian Winters, who is a video artist, filmmaker, and photographer. And we recently did a project uh, called Rendition, which was commissioned by um, a couple of amazing musicians in London who, who have formed a duo called Keynote Plus. And Keynote Plus consists of uh, Jane Chapman, who plays the harpsichord, and Kate Ryder, who plays prepared piano. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with prepared piano. No. But, um, it's a, a little bit what I was talking about earlier that, that Myra Melford does, and it was particularly championed by John Cage um, earlier in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where you take nuts and bolts and bits of rubber and all kinds of other stuff, and you stick it in the strings, um, between the strings of the piano, so that when you play the keys, it's transformed the piano into much more of a, a percussion instrument. Mm-hmm. So it, it deadens some notes and it brings out uh, different harmonics of other notes. So they might sound like gongs or they might have these weird rattles or it's just, it, it transforms the usual sound of the piano. Mm. And um, Kate is really crazy about all those sounds and she really wanted to develop a repertoire that, that a contemporary repertoire that uses those sounds. Um, and she's also very interested in combining those sounds with the harpsichord. And Jane Chapman, who is very well known as a contemporary harpsichordist and also as someone who plays um, Baroque music, she has a very, very wide repertoire, Is always has always been interested in commissioning contemporary modern works for old instruments. Mm. So it's a really fascinating uh, combination, and the sounds that they make are really quite extraordinary. So I was very excited to be asked to write a piece for them. Um, and I thought it would be a good opportunity to also... They, they were encouraging works, collaborative works with visual arts, so I thought it would be a good opportunity to work with Ian. And uh, we ended up making this piece that was uh, used those two instruments and um, stop frame animation uh, involving little toys, little <laughs> dolls that we decided lived inside the, the piano and the harpsichord. Mm. We decided that the, these, the piano and the harpsichord were like these two... Um, different countries or continents that were in some way in conflict or at war with one another and that these <laughs> the inhabitants of these countries would sort of go on spy missions and uh, were in this state of, of great tension with each other. And um, sneak into each right, other's exactly. continents and make the sounds change. Right. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about how collaborating with other artists is different from working on your own? Yes. Um, for me, it just makes it a lot more fun and interesting. I think yeah. partly I um, I enjoy making things with other people, and that's yeah. part of the thing about being a composer is it can be very lonely and isolated. Um, but, yeah, there's this back-and-forth thing going on, which I find really stimulating. I've always been someone who gets inspiration from other art forms. I've always read a lot, um, novels and poetry, mm. and I, I, I love looking at paintings and uh, fascinated by film and, and so on. And, and I've always really enjoyed dancing myself um, and studied dance a little bit. Mm. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that it's like a chance for me to put on these other hats in a way and and take part at a creative level with these other art forms that I, I couldn't do by myself yeah. but I can interact with them yeah so that's that's what I like about it that sounds great you don't necessarily have to choose 
right. forever the exactly. medium that you work with. Yeah. Do you find any common thread with the people that you collaborate with the best? Oh, they're all wonderful people. Ah, <laughs> yes. They're all fabulous. <laughs> um, I, that's an interesting question. I think I think there is a similar working method, and huh. I think that's that's why it works. And I think they're also they've all been very open to. I think we're we're all open to having our work kind of tam- uh, tampered with. Makes it sound negative, but pushed by the other art form. Mm-hmm. And that we learn a lot through doing that and that mm. the work gains through being seen through this other lens and kind of prodded and pushed in different directions. Mm. So. so we will be right back. On next week's show, I'll be talking to Hania Kover, a PhD student in neuroscience, on her work about the relationship between sensory stimuli and perception. So please join me for The Graduates every Monday from 12 to 12.30 on Calex. And if you have general feedback, ideas for graduate students to interview, or if you'd like to be interviewed yourself, don't be shy. Send an email to thegraduatescalex at aol.com. That's thegraduatescalex, all one word, at aol.com. Welcome back. Today I'm talking to Evelyn Ficara of the Music Department, and if you'd like to see her perform, she'll be performing in Hertz Hall on April 14th, a performance called Night Edge, and again on April 23rd, a performance called Rendition. You write that your composition is rooted in an obsession for sound. So what do you mean by that? Well, I think it connects up to what I was saying earlier about um how I gained my confidence as a composer and it was through recording sounds and listening to them and and working with them. Um, Sound, what I like about sounds that you record from the real world as opposed to sounds which you make um, through electronic means is that they have a certain resonance. They start out with a certain resonance in your life. So they might be sounds that you hear every day or sounds that you associate with a certain part of the city or uh, a certain part of your own personal history. And so they, they're imbued with a meaning that is not purely a musical meaning, um, but uh, something with resonance uh, to you as a human being. Mm-hmm. And then what becomes interesting is to, to work with them as sound and mm-hmm. to see what kind of sound structures you can make with them. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's really interesting to play between the more purely musical structures, which are to do with, um, say, rhythm and pitch um, and making musical shapes in time, structuring time, mm-hmm. and then the more connotative elements um, where you recognize a sound and you know that that's uh, a bird singing or you think, oh, that sounds like um, somebody hammering under the sea. Or it, it sort of it expands your imaginative response mm-hmm. to what you're hearing. And there's a play between listening, which is uh, caught up in musical structures, and listening, which is caught up more in narrative structures mm-hmm. or in dramatic um, structures. And I like playing between those two ways of listening. So you're really playing around with um, sound as, as an object, right? That's right, with, yeah. um, It's almost like sculpture. There's a lot of playing. Mm-hmm. So I will, 
I will simply be led by what I like to hear and what I find interesting to hear and record that. And then I'll play around with it in the studio. And in the old days, that was done through samplers. Um, and now you just throw everything in the computer and, and manipulate it. Um, so it's then a question of keeping your ear fresh and, and continuing to listen um, and not getting jaded with the sounds through repeated listening, mm -hmm. but being able to hear uh, what they have to offer. Mm. And what they have to offer will be, as I said before, a combination of musical elements and meaning. Mm -hmm. And the meaning will emerge sort of through time according mm -hmm. to how you line the sounds up and what their, uh, what their relationships are with the, with the other sounds. And again, that will have both a musical structure to it where you're thinking in terms of high and low and what your textures are. Mm. And for me, also, at times, a more narrative structure where you're thinking, well, how does this, how is this sound developing? What's its relationship to that other mm -hmm. sound? It are also sounds like cooking. Right. I mean, you gather your ingredients together and they have different qualities. Like you're saying, they have texture, or they have this, or they have that. And then how do you put them together in time? Right. Yeah, yes. when do you, what heat do you put the oven? Right. When yes. do you add what? Timing is really important in cooking, too. <laughs> yes, and have you destroyed the whole thing uh, and do you have to start over? Oh, <laughs> no, but sometimes it's really hard to separate the ingredients back out. Right, that's um, true. <laughs> so going back to something you said at the beginning, that you see every performance of yours as a piece of theater. Mm -hmm. So this reminds me of Batsheva and Imbalpinto, which are two dance companies based in Israel. And basically, instead of choreographing the dance separate from the music, separate from the set, and then just pasting it all together, they start with an idea or a theme, and the work just co-evolves. I mean, Batsheva even has its own neighborhood in Tel Aviv where they invite artists of many different media to work together and choreograph in this way. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about your creative process and if this is similar to how you like to work. Yes, um, very much so. Uh, the, the choreographer I've collaborated most with in recent years is Sarah Fahey, who's an Australian choreographer based now in London. And um, it is that question of we get together, we say we want to make a piece. And our first question is, well, what's it about? What's the material? Um, and we we both are interested in connecting our art forms up with what's going on in the world or with uh, stories or issues or situations. Um, and so the whole submarine project started that way. We were sitting trying to decide what should we do and it was a time when the um the kursk the russian mm -hmm. kursk submarine was at the bottom of the Barents sea mm -hmm. uh, and people were trying to save them and not succeeding and so that was kind of in the air and we started to look into well you know what's it like being down there uh, what what are submarines for what are they all about and it opened up this whole fascinating world for us um that i personally have been exploring ever since that sarah, <laughs> sarah <has moved> <laughs> why is that still obsessed with submarines <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a very good question um, <laughs> it's so interesting you yeah you use media as bridges between media 
You right. use text as bridges between dance and music, or music as bridge between, yeah. Yes, that's so a very can, good observation. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, what do you think about the opposite approach? So, where you have Merce Cunningham off somewhere doing the dance, Robert Rauschenberg mm-hmm. off somewhere else doing the set, and John mm-hmm. Cage somewhere else doing the music, and they don't ever meet until the night of the performance. I love that. I think it's so brave, and uh, <laughs> uh, you, it keeps that element of surprise mm-hmm. very strong. Um, I think, I mean, they don't they 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 don't uh, uh, work together in the process of working. But however, they do know each other's mm-hmm. work very well, mm-hmm. and there's a um, a long history of their collaborations. So for me, it's just so much fun to to get your hands dirty a little bit more and and share the process a little bit more with your collaborators. So okay, so then the uh, last question, the question that all PhD students love. So what might you be doing for your dissertation? Well, see, in in composition, we're lucky we don't have to write words. Ah. We have to write music. Mm. So um, I'm toying with two ideas, one of which you already know what that is. Does it involve something? (laughs) I think it might. Um, (laughs) And the other would be... uh, expanding Night Edge into um, a larger work that would involve more than one singer and probably dance as well Um, and other poems other poems than the one that I've already been working with so it would be so yes I suppose in some ways I'm still torn going towards live theatre or going more towards um, digital media uh, so I yes, I need to make that choice in the next couple of months probably and focus in on one of those. Well, um, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Evelyn. Likewise, likewise. Thank you very much. Thank you. And if you'd like to keep up with Evelyn's work and find out about her upcoming shows, please visit her website at evelynficara.com. That's E-V-E-L-Y-N-F-I-C-A-R-R-A dot You've been listening to The Graduates on KALX of Berkeley. My name is Stephanie Gerson. Please send comments to thegraduatescalex at aol.com and join me next Monday from 12 to 12.30.